Hello everyone, welcome back to a Light Unto My Path podcast. Uh, today will be the final section of uh, our look into how to study the Bible and why we should. Uh, we did an introduction where we uh, discussed the different methods to use, um, why we should study, answer a couple, <laughs> a little bit about the questions, and, uh, and then the last one, which was part one, uh, was the different studying types uh, expository, textual, topical, chronological, and devotional. Uh, today I want to look into that second question in, that, in the title, Why We Should Study the Bible. And I think it's obvious, of course, we need to really know the Word of God to know God a little bit better. Uh, what better way to know Him than to read His Word and that He wrote about Himself? So our um, text today is going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And I'll read that. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All right, so the first word that we'll see there and look at is that word continue, but continue thou. And that's the Greek word meno. And meno means to stay, to abide, to continue. Uh, to endure. Now, I know a lot of people think that once they get saved, uh, they've reached some kind of plateau. They're good to go. Uh, they don't have to do anything more. Once saved, always saved. So you, that's it. Uh, but if you study the Bible a little more bit in depth and study it a little bit more uh, than just that point, you know that Christianity is like a plant uh, and it's a living thing. Uh, we need to continue to grow. If we're not growing, we're dying. So we need to continue to add water, you know, till the soil, root out the weeds. We need to keep uh, going. So the idea here that it's saying is it's not to anchor uh, down in a place and not move, but rather to keep doing the things God has instructed us to do. So it needs to be a, a moving, living organism as it is. And the second part of that there, it says things learned. Things learned. Uh, based on the teaching and training uh, of course, uh, Paul is writing this here to Timothy, uh, getting him a, a letter. It's the second letter, but it's a letter of encouragement uh, to continue the things that he had learned. Well, where did he learn them from? Timothy had learned them from his mother and his grandmother and had taught Timothy the things of God, and that's where he learned them from. So he told him to continue in that. So <clears throat> Ephesians 4.14 tells us that we henceforth be no more like children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Okay, now that verse tells us clearly uh, that there are people out there who is uh, whose intent is to deceive us. Uh, they use trickery uh, and devices to trap us, uh, to lead us in error. And so if we don't know exactly what the truth is, we're apt to be deceived. And of course, the Bible clearly tells us the master deceiver is the devil himself. So, you know, 
before you think that you think you've got enough of the Bible in you and you're smart enough to take on the devil, I warn you to not have that thought in your mind. So we should be continually learning the Bible, okay? The Bible holds all the answers to all of our questions. Now, sometimes it's not so clear on the page. Uh, you're looking for an answer, and uh, I know there's this theory out there that people close their eyes and, and flip to flip a couple of pages in the Bible and they open their eyes and read it and think that's going to be the answer. That That's not how the Bible works at all. And, and I'm sure most of you are aware of that, but that's not how it works. But it does hold the answers. It gives us direction. It may not be a direct answer to a very specific question, but it will lead us in the right direction. Okay. And the only way to defeat Satan's lies is with God's truth. The phrase, thus saith the Lord, is the final answer to every question. When we have a question, we should ask, what thus saith the Lord? What does God say? Thus saith the Lord is a phrase that's used 415 times in the Bible. And we talked about it in the introduction. You know, that's one for every day of the year and then 50 left over. But if you look at it a different way in numerology, uh, the number 400 is the number of divinely perfect, uh, a divinely perfect period. And the number 15 is the number of divine grace. So when you put that together, it tells us that he supplies just what we need, when we need it, at just the right time. Uh, you're not going to need dying grace until you're dying. You're not going to need uh, grace to get through a temptation until you're being tempted. So, you know, when we pray, we need to be a, a specific what we ask God for and learning and studying the Bible, asking for the knowledge that we need. Okay, uh, the next part of that verse, be assured of, or being assured of. This is the Greek word pistoo, which means to assure from the base word meaning an object trustworthy, a subject that is most trustful, to be believing, faithful, and true. This is the testing of time. It's proven with experience through growth in faith. A brand new Christian is not going to be assured of things. There's going to be a lot of questions. They're going to know they're saved, uh, but it's through the uh, growth of a Christian where many of these things have been tested. Uh, we've been tried or we've been tempted or Satan's attacked us or something. And we've asked God for help and God has helped us. He's pointed us to some place in the Bible and give us the answer we need. And we applied it and it worked. And so therefore we grew in that. So it, it takes a, a testing of time to be assured of some things. Okay. <clears throat> that next phrase, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, what it's talking about here is that Timmy, while learning from Paul, his mother and grandmother, in essence, had learned what he knew from Christ himself. Okay? So, Timothy had been learning from Paul. He'd been learning from his mother and his grandmother. But in essence, he's been learning these from God himself or from Christ, who had, been, who had taught his grandmother, who had, you know, through studying the word, meditating in prayer, had taught it to his grandmother, his mother, and to Paul. So, it, it all ultimately leads back to him. And, and today it's the same way. Jesus uses pastors and teachers and parents uh, to expound and, and to explain things. But the revelation and understanding and the knowledge uh, comes directly through the Holy Spirit. Okay? Directly through the Holy Spirit from Christ. John 16, 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So 
what it's saying there is that the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Christ. It's going to give us that knowledge. It's going to give us the understanding. It's going to help us to um, understand those things when we read them in the Bible. Uh, the next phrase there, able to make the wise, in verse 15. Able to make the wise. Uh, this is the Greek word sophizo, which means to render wise. And render means to give on demand or to assign something. It also means to return or to pay back. So to render something wise, uh, it, it, it's like a, a payback. It's a, a reward type thing where to when you render something wise, uh, the prefix re in the word denotes a repetition, a returning of something, uh, something to be restored. And so there's that continuation of it. Uh, things that have made you wise, uh, you go back to them. That's will be returning to study of the Bible, returning to praying, returning to trusting in God to take care of you, uh, returning to trusting in God to give you the answers you need, uh, returning to Christ, uh, ha having faith in, in that Christ is going to get you through the day. And as you gain that knowledge, and it makes you wiser. And, and you know, we see that in Christians. The, the, the ones that have been Christians a lot longer don't get so excited about things that some of the younger Christians get excited about because they haven't been tried and tested and proven to work. Not just yet. So, you know, it, it, it's just like the human body. You know, little kids get excited about things that don't excite parents. We've been through it all before. We're used to seeing it. So same thing applies to Christians, okay? And the Greek word sophizo, uh, in John Tripp's commentary, he says this word means uh, to what? And, of course, this is Old English, so it sounds a little strange. But he says, the, uh, quote, the Greek word sophizo means to wise thee, that thou mayest wise others. As Daniel 12 and verse 3 says, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. The same Hebrew word, sekal, signifieth number one to understand number two to instruct others and number three to prosper unquote so you may ask a question uh what's in it for me why study the bible i mean if i sit in church and i listen to a pastor or i go to sunday school and uh listen to the teacher you know i get what i need right uh, personal growth is just that it's personal you have to do it on your own going to sunday school Sitting in a church service, listening to a pastor, uh, it's its not enough. It might get you by, but there's not a lot of growth going on. So what's in it for me? And it goes right back to the first text that we had, uh, if you want to turn back over there, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Sorry, 2 Timothy. Making you flip today. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show who? Thyself. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now this verse points out four things that we need to understand. First of all, it's privately invoked. Study to show thyself. You have to do it personally. Secondly, it's purely esteemed. Approved unto God. God approves of it. Thirdly, as personally equipped, a workman. If you work uh, as a farmer, well, you don't want to go out there in a great big field with just a hoe in your hand 
you need the proper equipment. You're going to need a big tractor. You're going to need the cultivator. You're going to need the plows. You're going to need all the equipment. Or you're going to work yourself to death and not have much to show for it. So you got to be properly equipped. Uh, and then finally, you got to be uh, properly invoked. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's why. That's why we need to study. That's what's in it for me. It's our personal growth. And I'm telling you, and through through my Christian life as as I've taken it upon myself to to learn this these points of how to study the Bible, and, and I've, I've used all of them in different ways over the years, uh, and gained what knowledge I could. I'm certainly not uh, done learning for sure. Um, every now and then when God just reveals that one special thing to me, those of you that know what I'm talking about, uh, it just, it, it's, it's, it's really, <laughs> for lack of a better uh, term for it, it's like a drug. It really is. Uh, when God just opens our eyes and shows us that one little secret nugget or gold nugget as it is, and you just get so excited about it and you're like, wow, I've never seen that before. I've read that passage a hundred times. That's never come out. And it helps us to grow. It, it, it encourages us. Uh, it strengthens us. It gives it gives us the, the motivation that we may need for that day or for that week or for that month. Or it may be that moment that just stands out for the rest of your life as the turning point that just really drew your focus and, and got you to uh, just rely on Christ uh, at that next level. Okay. And as we break this verse down, uh, like we did with the one in uh, chapter three, uh, and kind of reveal a little bit more about it. It says study to show thyself approved. That word study there uh, means to use speed, to make effort, to be prompt or earnest. And and for use of the word speed there, I don't, obviously it's not talking about uh, read through it as fast as you can to gain more knowledge. Uh, I think what that speed is referring to is the dedicated uh unction to stick to it okay and it goes with that being earnest uh to make effort and be prompt when you go to read the bible you know what i know there's going to be them days where you're just like you know what <laughs> i'm just not feeling it but stick with it stick with it i encourage you to continue to read your bible read it every day uh once you form it into a habit it becomes more uh regulated if you will if you skip it all the time, it's easier to miss it. It's just like physical exercise. I always hated physical exercise when I served in, in the U.S. Army. But I tell you what, after I did, oh, those mornings we had to get up and do exercise, after we finished, man, I felt great. And I felt great all day. And studying the Bible is the same thing. as spiritual exercise for your spirit. It sometimes is not the greatest, oh, I don't really want to study the Bible. We all go through that. But after you study the Bible, and maybe it may be one of them times where, like I said, God just opens your eyes and shows you that one thing. And you're like, wow, that really is great. And if you wouldn't have studied that day, um, you may not have ever seen it. God may not have revealed it because you just missed it. So you have to be earnest about it. Stick to it. Okay. Uh, and that next part, study to show thyself approved. That word show there is uh, a word that means to stand beside or to zip, to exhibit uh, aid, to be ready to give aid. Uh, so therefore, when you're able to show thyself approved, you're able to prove yourself. Uh, to show thyself approved, you can prove yourself. The word approved itself means acceptable. Uh, and approved, 
a lot of times in the English language today just means that someone just says, well, okay, and they accept it. But here the word approved in linking it with this acceptable means that it's rightly accepted, okay? That, that it's tried and it's true. It's approved as being true. A workman. And this is a word that means a toiler uh, or a teacher, a laborer. And this is one that's not, as we said before, you know, some people have this idea when you become a Christian that you just uh, are elevated to this level. You sit on a shelf and you're like, okay, I've made it. I'm done. I did my part. I'm good to go. Uh, that's got nothing to do with it. Uh, you, It's a continual work. Uh, you're involved with others. The Bible clearly tells us that we're part of a body. You have a job to do. You have a task to complete. You have uh, tools that are necessary. Uh, some may be givers. Some may be exhorters. Some may be teachers. Some may be preachers. Some may be missionaries. Um, when you're saved, God gives you those tools uh, to use to help others. And you can't help others if you're sitting on a shelf somewhere. So you have to be a workman. Okay. And, and then the critical issue here, that rightly dividing. And this is the Greek word orthotomeo. And it means to make a straight cut. I think that's a clear definition of what it means, to make a straight cut. I think many times there's been some dividing the word of truth, but I don't think there's been a lot of rightly dividing the word of truth. So uh, you have to make sure, you know, you pray, make sure your heart's right, make sure it's clean, do the background study, ask God to reveal to you the true meaning of what he's trying to say, okay? And I know there's this question out here. I've been asked many times uh, this question relating to studying Bible. Why can't God just simply tell me or show me what he wants? That's a great question, isn't it? Why can't God just simply tell me or show me what he wants? And and there's an underlying uh, rule to that, if you will, and, and a great example. In, in the book of Matthew, if you flip over there with me, I'll show you what I'm talking about there in the book of Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, and here it says uh, in verse 10, and the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? So you see, it's not just us that have been asking the questions, they were asking him right there to his face, the disciples were asking, why are you speaking to them in parables? And verse 11, he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Verse 12, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. And here he, he locks it down right here in verse 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, 
and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. So they asked the question, just like we have today. Jesus, why are you speaking to them in parables? And basically breaks it down into three parts here. The verses 13 through 15, he tells them uh, their refusal of the truth, uh, their willful stubbornness and blindness. They chose not to see. They chose not to hear. So they're sinners basically against their own soul. They weren't sinning just against God, but they were sinning against themselves. These parables were not used as a method of hiding the truth, but as a method of using a comparison by which they might understand more fully. And he used many examples of, uh, of things that had to do with soil, things that had to do with uh, uh, labors that they were very well common in that day that, that these people would understand what it was. Because there's many things of heaven that they just didn't understand. And many times he tried to explain things to them, they just couldn't get it. So he tried to compare it to something on earth to let them know. <clears throat> now, uh, the second part of that is the revision of the truth. Had Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah up front, the people would have been in an uproar and caused a revolt to take place. And again, <clears throat> excuse me, remember that during this time that Rome was in charge and all the Jews had was the Old Testament word that was always speaking of a coming Messiah, a coming Messiah, and a coming Messiah. And it spoke of this Messiah as returning to set up his kingdom on earth. So basically what the Jew was looking for was a king. They weren't looking for a savior. They were looking for a king. And so when Jesus was born, of course, as a carpenter, well, that just turned them off because they're like, there's no way this could be a king. And how could this man, you know, rule the earth when he's walking among common people? Uh, so that was the great rejection of the Jews as of Jesus as the Messiah. And again, also, if he had revealed that he was a Messiah and these people would have just latched on to him, he would never have had the chance to speak to the people that he did uh, and affect the lives that he did forever. Um, one of the greatest stories, I think, of, of him uh, touching someone in the Bible, he didn't actually touch himself. And it's the story of the uh, woman with the issue of blood. And you remember when Christ was coming through town, uh, this woman told herself, you know, spoke to herself, and she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And of course, he's, he's surrounded by this huge crowd. Uh, this woman had to fight to get through the crowd. And, and you can just kind of picture it in her head, that uh, pressing up against all these people. And they knew she had an issue of blood, so she was a social outcast. Nobody wanted to touch to her. Nobody talked to her. Nobody helped her. But she was determined. And she fought through that crowd. And it's just like right at the right moment as he passed by, she reached out and touched his garment. And Christ stopped. And he said, who touched me? <laughs> and those disciples standing around him, they're all like, well, Lord, you must be crazy, right? Because everybody's touching you. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about someone touched me. And what a great story that is. I love that story. And there's many, many times that all these different people, the, the blind men that he that he healed their eyes or when he was teaching in the house and the friends, the crippled man, they they ripped open the roof of this house so they could drop this man in to see him. Um, you can see the desperation of these people and the love and compassion that he had. And I'll tell you, we need to learn so much from that. We get so caught up in 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 focusing on our own Christianity. We forget that part of the reason we're here 
is to share his love with others. We got to remember that. We need to be compassionate. So that's the other part of the revision of the truth. And the third part is the revealing of the truth in verse 16. Uh, through 17. The disciples had faith and would therefore be given the capacity for more. As you have the faith, it grows and it grows and it grows. So as they accepted the light, they're there uh, for they would receive more light. Proverbs 13, 11. It says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And I'm going to tell you what, that's a proverb that fits perfectly with today. Um, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, you know, if you're just given something, it doesn't mean as much as if you work for it. That is a modern translation of what that verse is saying right there. If something is given to us, it doesn't carry as much value. I'm not sure if it's a gift of, of someone important to us. It does have some value, but it's nowhere near as important as that that we had to work for. If you have to work for it and you had to earn for it, it contains a great value. And we take more care for it, and it lasts longer, and we treasure it so much more. <clears throat> and another verse uh, that fits with that is here in this same chapter, Matthew chapter 13, where we are later on in the chapter, verses 44 <clears throat> through 46. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. These two men gave up everything they had. <clears throat> when a man found this treasure in the field, he hid it in that field and went and bought the field. But he couldn't just go and buy the field. It cost him, didn't it? It said he had to sell everything that he had to buy that field. And the same thing with that merchant man. He was looking for that perfect pearl. And he did find it. And once he did find it, it cost him. He had to go and sell everything he had to gain that pearl. And that's the way we should look at the Bible. We have a great pearl. We have something of great value. When we look at the fact that there is a holy God who created us so that he could commune with us and he could have fellowship with us and he wants to talk to us and we are so easily distracted uh, by not praying like we should, by not reading his word like we should. This Bible that we have is a wealth of information. But you know what? It doesn't cost us. It actually cost him. It cost him the only son that he ever had. That's why that word begotten is so important in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Without the word begotten, it could have just been the only son at that time. But begotten tells us it's the only son that would ever be, ever be, that could have done what he did. He sent his son to die on the cross to shed his blood for us so that we could have access to God. That is revealed in his word. That's what is so important. It cost him the blood of his son. He had to die as a perfect blood sacrifice to give us access to God. So that's why this Bible that we have, uh, that we take so much for granted, is a wealth of information. It's a great treasure. And if we would just realize that and study it more often, uh, be earnest about it and, and be honest and ask God, pray and say, Lord, 
reveal this passage that I'm reading. Show me what you're trying to show me today. I'll tell you, it will open doors. It will show you things that God wants so desperately to show you, but we don't take the time to allow him to show us. We have to take the time to allow him to show us. Okay, that's it for this study, and I sure hope you gain something out of that. I think the next one I'm going to do is on the history of the King James Bible. Uh, that's something I've been wanting to do for a while. There's a lot of information in that one. That's a large amount of time that's going to be put into that, so I'm going to have to do a little bit of rehearsing with it and make sure I have all my notes together. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this, and again, I hope you got something out of it. May the Lord bless you. And may he reveal something out of his word to you today. Thank you.